The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. We have a more clear and concise understanding of the grace of God and what it all encompasses and and what it really means to us. And as I said, we just we barely scratched the surface. You could, you could spend uh, ten lifetimes trying to learn all there is to understand about the grace of God and probably not succeed. Uh, we will have perfect knowledge and wisdom when we stand before Christ on that glorious day. And then we will fully understand uh, what God did for us uh, in, in electing us and saving us. And, of course, at that point, uh, we'll realize... Uh, how much of our life we really wasted. And, and I don't say that uh, to be facetious. I, I say that in sincerity. We waste. Do you understand how much of our life we waste in what we could do for God? So, um, you know, let us strive as God's individual children. Let us strive to, to do all that we can for Christ at every moment of every day. And uh, you won't regret it. I won't regret it, and we'll stand before the Lord someday, and even then realize far short we have come. And uh, so we need to, but we need to strive. Every day needs to be uh, uh, an attempt on our part to be more like Christ, to be more in love with Christ, and to be more devoted to Christ. Uh, so today we're going to begin a series of studies, a series of lessons. Uh, this, this probably will also take us better than a year to complete. A matter of fact, I taught this series of lessons to our youth years ago, and it took me over 12 months to teach it to them. Uh, and I, I only teach every other Sunday. So it could take us as much as two years to get through this entire study on the Christian life. And that's what we're going to study about. We're going to study the Christian life. And uh, this, this will kind of coincide with what pastor's preaching on Sunday evenings. He's preaching uh, Living for Jesus series and and this is going this series of lessons is going to kind of talk about you and I on a day to day basis, what is entailed and involved in being a Christian. Uh, so I guess the best place to start is always at the beginning. Right. That's always the best place to start. So today, that's the title of my lesson. Beginnings. And we're going to talk about that today. But uh, let's look at Second Peter chapter three, and, and I'm going to go all the way to verse nine. So go to verse nine with me, if you would. Second uh, Peter chapter three and verse nine. We read here: The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, I'll come back to this verse in just a moment, but let's read on. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, in other words, everything you see, everything around us, is all going to be destroyed. It's all going to go away. Paul says, seeing that, or I'm sorry, Peter says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, 
wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we do pray today that you would teach us and instruct us how we should live, what manner of persons we ought to be. And, and, and bless this time we have, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, we all know this. Every Sunday school student knows this. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Everything that we see today in the created universe owes its existence to the same beginning. You ever think of that? Everything you see, uh, this building, uh, uh, the pews you're sitting in, the carpet under our feet, this podium, you, everything here owes its existence to the same beginning. There was not a separate beginning for, for, for you and a separate beginning for me. Everything God created in one powerful move, he created all things. Everything had the same beginning. Now, there, there's a lot of debate today in the worlds of science and religion surrounding the origin of the universe. But I am not here today to argue for or against either position. I taught an entire series of lessons in our adult class years ago. Some of you might remember that. Does God exist? And we went through, a, we went through an entire series. We went through all the, the apologetics, all the Christian arguments we went through all of that. I'm not going to go into all of that today. I am here today just to say that everything has a beginning. Whether you believe in creation or not, and I certainly assume that we all do, all must acknowledge that there had to be a beginning. Even the, even the, the evolutionists, the atheists, the uh, the, the physicists of this world have to acknowledge that there had to be a start. There had to be a beginning. I don't care which side of the argument you fall on, right? We, all can, we can all acknowledge that there had to be a beginning. Now, it just so happens that I believe in the Bible's account of the origin of the universe. But again, I'm not here to argue that, and I'm confident you all do also, but let us just agree on the fact that there was a beginning. And since we must acknowledge that there was a beginning, we must further acknowledge that someone or something was responsible for that beginning. Right? Everybody agree with that so far? Everybody agree with what I've said so far? Everything had a beginning. There was one beginning which, which made it possible for all things to be. Uh, and we all agree that someone or something had to, had to initiate that beginning. Now, for the, for the atheists, they believe it was the Big Bang. Uh, conversely, I, I also believe in a Big Bang. I, I really do. The Bible says God spoke and things existed. There was a Big Bang, but God created it. He created the Big Bang that, that created everything. Can you imagine having been there? When God spoke and bang, the universe was there. What an incredible, what an incredible moment that must have been. I wasn't there, uh, but God was there. 
By the way, the atheist wasn't there either. And all these elaborate uh, theories they come up with, um, it's, it's just based on speculation. It has no foundation. So, I believe in what the Bible has to say about all these things. Yes, life had a beginning. For me, life began in the early weeks of 1957. My mother conceived, and then some nine months or so later, I was born. And you could say the same thing. Every one of you had a beginning. There was a, there was a point in time when you began to exist. And by the way, this isn't for this lesson, it's for another time, but abortion is murder. Because the moment a child is conceived, conceived, he's not only a life, he's an eternal life. And a life that will live on forever, either in heaven or in hell, but it's an eternal life. But that's not for today. Each of us had a point of beginning. So what I want to do this morning is I want to consider exactly what is involved in a, in a beginning. So take your study sheets with me and let's, let's go into this. Letter A on your study sheet. Let me say that beginning involves planning. Beginning involves planning. In Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30, we read, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Jesus here is given an example. And he said, how foolish would it be for a man to, to, to decide to build something and not plan it? Not having thought it through. And so he decides he's going to build a tower and he starts building and he gets about halfway through, runs out of money and, and has no idea how to proceed, where to go. Uh, that man would be considered by all around him a fool. Have you ever seen a half-built house? Yeah, if, you live, if you're old enough and live back in some country areas, you probably did. Uh, see people who, who started to build something and just couldn't finish it. Uh, we, we, we see these kind of things going on in life. We see marriages that way, don't we? Huh? Two people start to build a marriage and halfway through they abandon it. They didn't, they didn't plan. They didn't think through. Right? We see this in business. Businesses fail because of lack of planning and, and lack, of, lack of preparation and things such as that. Now, God would be foolish indeed to endeavor to undertake something as complex as the creation of the universe without having thought it through. Um, who here would actually believe that God today is simply managing creation. Anyone believe that? 
To believe that God is simply managing creation is to imply that he had no particular plan in creation. Uh, You see, this is what a lot of Christians do to compromise with the evolutionists. They say, well, God started everything, and then he just stepped back, and now everything is is going uh, on its own pace, and God's just managing creation. He's just watching it. Of course not. That's that's foolish. God would never endeavor in such a, a, a thing as to create the universe without without having thought it through, it would, this, this kind of philosophy would imply that God had an idea or a concept for creation, but he did not have a specific plan in place. Think about building a house for a moment. I, I was a contractor. My father owned a, was a contractor, and, and when, I, when I got out of the Air Force, I went in with him, and we went in, we continued the business, and I was a building contractor. Um... As a building contractor, I did not just simply manage the construction of a home. Someone didn't call me up and say, hey, Dalton, would you build me a house? Sure. Where do you want it? I want it right over here. Okay. All right. Come back in about three months. I'll have a house for you. That was, that was foolish. That would be foolish, right? First of all, I don't know what they want. So what I build may not satisfy them. And, and without any plans, I don't know how big to build it. I don't know how many rooms to put in it. I don't, know, I don't know all the details. I'd be a foolish contractor to, to do that. I wouldn't even build my own home that way. No, a, a contract, a blueprints are provided. There are, there are plans drawn out that show exactly how long every board needs to be, exactly where a door goes, exactly where a window goes. There are, there are blueprints, there are plans that show how the foundation needs to be laid. What needs to go into that foundation? There are plans to, to, to detail where the kitchen cabinets go, where, where the sinks go, where, where the most important thing, where the toilets go. And the plumber comes and the plumber, the plumber doesn't walk there and say, okay, well, I think a toilet ought to be over there, so I'm going to plumb a toilet over there. And that's where I intended to have the entertainment center. You see, there has to be plans. And the blueprints provide the plumber with details as to where he needs to plumb the pipes and, and the water supplies. And it, it, it details for the electrician where he needs to run the wiring and where he needs to place every switch and every receptacle. It details for the air conditioning people, where the ductwork needs to run, how big a unit they need, all these things. All these details come from the blueprint. And God in eternity past has the blueprint. He had a blueprint for all of creation, everything he was going to do. He planned creation. And we all know, at least I hope we do, and I hope we acknowledge as God's children, that what God plans happens. Everything God plans happens. He's in control of everything. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 The Bible states, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We know that everything that God says, everything that God plans, happens. And we also know that you and I cannot prevent the will of God. Nothing you can do, nothing you can say can change God's will. 
We read in Job chapter 9. Uh, let's, let's all go there together. Job chapter 9. Turn with me, if you would, to Job. Job immediately precedes Psalms. And we go to chapter 9 of Job. And when we get there, we'll begin reading. Let's, let's begin reading at verse 1. Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be judged with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him. Uh, one of a thousand. Let's save, save a little time. I'm running, running short already. Let's go to verse 9. Let's run over to verse 9. We read here in Job chapter 9, beginning at verse 9, which maketh... Uh, Arcturus, Orion, and Pallades, and the chambers of the south, which doeth great things past finding out, and, yea, and wonders without number. Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away. Uh, behold, he taketh away. Who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, What doest thou? And we see here in verses 11 and 12 that. Job states, no one can hinder God. God does what God does. God plans his, 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 his will. His will goes forward. And you and I can hinder the will of God. By our obedience, by our cooperation, we can be a part of God's will. But we can't change God's will. We can't hinder it. God doesn't stop and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Stop, 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 stop. Now look what, look what John did. Okay, we got to rethink this whole thing now. Let's let's assemble. Let's let's have a think tank and let's figure this out from here on forward. Ah, no, 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 no. God, God. First of all, God already knew what John was going to do, and He's already planned for that. And you and I need to understand and realize that God is in control of all things. Nothing is happening by chance. Beginning, God began this universe with a plan, and that plan is going to take effect regardless of what I do. So beginning involves planning, planning, and the universe was planned by God. But then secondly, letter B on your study sheets, beginning involves purpose. Beginning involves purpose. Let's now turn, if you would, with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And we'll begin reading of verse number 9. Colossians chapter 1, beginning... At verse 9. We read here, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will, all, and, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience, and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, uh, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we may have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things.
consist. We, we saw there in verses 16 and 17, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things were created for him and by him. There is one question that has perplexed the so-called wise men of this world. And that is, what is the meaning of life? Uh, Men have been trying to formulate that opinion for years, for centuries. Because if you don't believe in God, then what purpose does life have? Huh? If you believe that you crawled out of a primordial ooze and grew legs and arms and lungs and brains, and well, if you believe those things, you may not have grown a brain, but anyway. Who, who can, if, if that's all true, then what are we doing here this morning? If, if that's true, if you and I just evolved... What in the world are we doing here? If, that, if that's true, then we're the, we're the most foolish people alive. We should be out partying, having fun, enjoying ourselves, and partaking of everything we possibly can. Because if, if that's true, then when we die, we're gone. That's it. But we know that's not true. We know that God created all things. And by him all things consist. And we know that we were created for him and for his good pleasure. I was driving to work the other morning. I was thinking about this. You know, we have all of us, to some degree, have failed in why we're here. Why are we here? We were created to do what? Glorify God. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But we're, we're all... By, by necessity, we're all having to pursue careers. We're all having to spend our, most of our time in, in, in pursuit of business and, and, and other things. And, and I think in reality, God desired that we would just be a generation of people that just served him and loved him. And I'm not saying that we're all bad and wrong for doing that, because we have to. We don't have a choice, do we? PG&E is not going to come to your house and say, <clears throat> you're going to stand there and say, well, I don't work because I'm, I'm glorifying God with every moment of my life. They're going to say, okay, well, you get to do it without power from now on. Okay, so it's a, it's a matter of we have to work. I understand that. But if you think about it, we need, to, we need to conduct our life day by day with a proper understanding of why we're here. With a knowledge of the fact that that God is first and foremost in our lives. And that everything we do and everything we say is not for the furtherance of ourself or not, should not be for the furtherance of ourself or, or for anyone around us, but everything we do should be to bring glory to the name of Christ. And if we are involving ourselves on a day-to-day basis in things that detract us from the knowledge of God, then we are not glorifying God. So we need, to, we need to really wrap our minds around this. How do we answer this question? What is the meaning of life? Well, the single most wise man to ever live besides Jesus was who? Solomon. 
And Solomon wrote something for us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 11 through 14. He says, the words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end and of much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Solomon said, conduct your life with a fear of God and with obedience. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is, how, this is how we fulfill our purpose, which is to glorify God. There are some who, 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 who wrongly perceive that their labors are what pleases God. You know, the Bible states that all of our works are as filthy rags unto God. God, you don't impress God by your works, although your obedience to do works is a, is a pleasing thing to God. But it's not the works that please God. It's your obedience. It's your reverence for him and your obedience to his commands. That's what pleases God. Yes, God not only had a plan in creation, but he had a purpose as well. And that purpose was to bring glory and honor unto himself. And that God does, I'm sorry, all that God does is for his own glory and honor. In John chapter 12 and verse 8, Jesus stated, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Everything that God does is designed to bring glory and honor unto him. We may not understand it. We may not perceive it, but it is to his glory and honor. The fact that God's actions Benefit me in some way is a happy coincidence. You ever think of that? God doesn't have to bless you to glorify himself. If that, if, if that were true, then how do you explain men and women all over this country who die of disease and, and who suffer? How do you explain the martyrs? How do you explain those that sacrifice life and limb for the, for the cause of God. If, if blessing is the way that acknowledges uh, God's glory, then, then that, that's a failure. When, when you are blessed by God, that's, that's just a happy coincidence. Rejoice and be thankful. But that also, learn to rejoice in, in the difficult times. Learn to rejoice in the sad times. Hmm? Is God only good when he blesses us? No. The Bible says, shall we receive blessings and not curses, the hand of God? Yes, every good gift is from the Father above, but there's some bad gifts too. And, and I fear we have a generation of prosperity Christians who think God is only good to them when he's blessing them. That God is only fair and just when their pocketbooks are full when their refrigerators are full, when they're fat and sassy, 
when they're driving new cars and living in, in, in half million dollar homes. That's when God's good. And he's not good, though, when my, when my checkbook's overdrawn and when the only thing in the refrigerator are two mice fighting over the last piece of cheese. Hmm? Then God's not good. And then we doubt our faith. And, and then we begin to question our beliefs. No, 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 no. God's purpose is to glorify himself. If that means I suffer, then so be it. Praise the Lord. I'll suffer for his glory. But make sure, I need to make sure I'm suffering for his glory and not my own stupidity or my own stubbornness. Huh? Because a lot of Christians suffer for their own stubbornness, their own disobedience, or their own stupidity. And mama would fuss at me for using the word stupidity, but mama's not here. Let's say ignorance. Sounds better. So, God had a be- there's a beginning. And God, the, God's beginning, beginning involved planning, involved purpose. Then letter C, beginning involves power. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Now, Newton's first law of physics states that an object at rest remains at rest and an object in motion remains in motion unless acted upon by a greater force. A train. Can I stop a train by standing in front of it and putting my hand out? Not likely. Because I'm not greater than the train. My, my force, my power is not greater than the train. So to stop the train, it takes a force greater than the train itself to stop it. The force necessary to bring about the existence of the universe and then to contain the energy created would have to be an awesome force indeed. It would have to be a force greater than all the energy produced by the billions of stars in this universe. Consider our own sun for a moment. The sun burns at a, de- at a temperature of 100 million Kelvin. That is 17,999,955 degrees. Based upon its density and mass, it would take 8.2 billion years to burn out. So when you watch these science programs and they talk about the sun uh, going supernova, don't worry about it. Uh, it's 8.2 billion years away if it were to happen at all. And it won't happen unless God says it can happen. And that, that's just one of the stars in the universe. Now, given this, what do you believe? Do you honestly believe that all of this power was derived from potential energy? Because that's what the Big Bang is. The Big Bang theory says that potential energy was condensed and and finally got so great that it released and created all things. So the real question is, does God possess the power required to create and then contain the universe? That's the real question. Well, how do we answer this question? Well, the best place to go is where? Scripture. Hebrews 11.3. 
Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We understand from scripture that God's power was great enough to create and then control the universe. It is by divine revelation and faith that men from form right notions of the creation and of the creator. The atheist cannot convince me there is no God. And I cannot convince him that there is a God. This can only be done by the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 states, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we see the beginning of physical life. And we see that physical life uh, had, had, had a plan and it had a purpose. And there was the power, uh, God had the power to, 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 to do all these things. But what about spiritual life? Well, number two in your study sheet says this. In the beginning was the word. First John, uh, or I'm sorry, John chapter one, verses one through four. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Before we can attempt to study the Christian life, we have to understand its origin. Just as with the beginning of physical life, a spiritual life too involves planning, purpose, and power. Bear with me for a moment. It seems like I left my, some of my notes off. <laughs> so we're going to have to conclude today. Did I put those answers on your study sheet? I think I did. I, missed, I, I failed to print one page of my, of my notes. I am terribly sorry. Um, but let me, let me close it by stating this. Our spiritual life, just the same as our physical life, had a, had a beginning. We'll, and we'll look at those details next week. Um, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, it's, which is almost, if you will, a restating of Genesis chapter 1. Remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Well, now in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, what does it say? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, we know, is what? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word. And our physical, our physical life began by God's creation. Our spiritual life begins in Jesus Christ. Now, it's beneficial to state here that Jesus was in the beginning. Because it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. So, in essence, because Jesus was in the beginning when God created the universe, since Jesus was there, and since my life, my spiritual life begins in Jesus, when did my spiritual life begin? The Bible tells us what? That before God created the world, he knew me. That I was chosen in, in him before the foundation of the world. So you see, sometimes I, I tell people, well, my spiritual life began on November 27th, 1981. 
That's not really true. That's when God saved me. But in reality, when did my spiritual life begin? At the creation of all things. That's when, that's when our spiritual life truly began because our spiritual life is in Christ and Christ was in the beginning with God. He is God. He created all things for himself, for his own purpose, for his own pleasure. And so our spiritual life truly began in the beginning. Now, you need to understand that to really appreciate the truth that I'm trying to, 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 to put across to you this morning. My, my mother and father, um, last month, celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. 70 years. Now, I'm only 57 years old. But the truth of the matter is, my physical life began when they got married. Because in them was me. Right? I was in them. I, I, I came forth from, a, from a, an egg, in, if I can be so bold, from an egg in my mother by the seed of my father. And those elements were already in them. So while my chronological age began on October 21st, 1957, the truth is my life began, my physical life came into reality when, they two, when the two of them got married. Because I would come forth from them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you look kind of, he, okay, Brother Dalton's gone Lulu here. He's, he, he, he's been abducted by aliens all of a sudden. This, is a, this, of course, is not a, this is a philosophical point, okay? My life truly became, became a reality when my mother and father married, and eventually I would come forth from them. Same is true for my spiritual life. My spiritual life became a reality when God chose me in eternity past. And eventually I would come forth from him. So we need to understand the magnitude of what we call the Christian life. It's not just an option. It's not just a choice. It's much deeper than that. And much more important than that. It's not like... It's not like I, I made a choice someday. No, the choice was made by God in eternity past. And he fulfilled it in his own will. So we'll get into, we'll get into more details on our spiritual life next Sunday. I do apologize. Hang on to your study sheets. I'll finish up this study next, next week, next time. And uh, so we'll be a half study behind for the whole thing. But that's all right. If you, if you used to be in my class, you know we never finished an outline. We always picked it up next week. So thank you for being here this morning, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.
www.bebaptist.org.